I'm Derek Thompson, the host of the podcast, Plain English. We tackle technology, politics, culture, history, everything that's happening in the world and why it matters. New episodes of Plain English drop every Tuesday and Friday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. All righty, let's roll, baby. It's a bonus Tuesday edition of New York, New York. I know it sounds weird saying bonus edition of New York, New York, but we made a little schedule tweak. But that schedule tweak goes out the window when Aaron Rodgers returns to the Packers. Russell Wilson is on his way to the Broncos. And in all seriousness, folks, if you listen to the Ringer Gambling Show with Joe Haas today, I don't think that was possible. See, some people would say, oh, you got to take that out of the pot. Aren't you going to be embarrassed? Me, no. I'm like, yeah, I had a stupid take. I was dead wrong. I own it. We move on. That's the way you should be. Hey, media people out there, take notes. Take notes. You can laugh at yourself every now and again. I laugh at myself on a daily basis, for better or worse. But that's why I do what I do. But listen, from Denver's standpoint, how can anybody hate the trade? (laughs) How can anybody hate the trade for Russell Wilson, a future Hall of Fame quarterback on a team that has no quarterback. A couple of firsts. Jamal Adams commanded a couple of firsts. Safety. So the Broncos are a legit contender. The Packers, again, are going to have all the pressure in the world on them to get to the Super Bowl. But from a Jets perspective, the thought that went through my mind the minute this trade went down was twofold. The first thought, man, the AFC is going to be Man, it's going to be tough. Think about it. Alone in the AFC West, Mahomes and KC, Wilson and Denver, Herbert with the Chargers, the Raiders. Outstanding division. Probably the best division in football. Then you throw in Buffalo, New England, Baltimore, Cincinnati went to the Super Bowl, Tennessee, there's some top-notch competition. This idea that all of a sudden the Jets, just because, oh, you got a ton of draft picks, got a ton of cap space, 
can go and make the leap and the jump to be in a playoff team. Hmm, hold your horses on that. Hold your horses on that. That's problematic. The AFC is going to be really good. I think it's going to be really good for a long period of time. Like right now, you would much rather be an NFC team on the up and up. Like I'd much rather be in a position, I don't know, that like the, hmm, give me a team. Even though I don't like them, the Detroit Lions, where they're at. Because it's like, hey, the rest of the conference, all right, Rodgers is staying. But as a whole, the conference ain't that good. Or the Philadelphia Eagles. Or, I know it's weird. They're a playoff team. But you get my drift. These teams in the middle of the pack in the NFC, you can see them rise with the right moves and you know things going a certain way. I don't know if that's necessarily the case for teams in the AFC. And the Jets and my beloved Dolphins fit that description. The other thought that went through my mind is DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf is a beast. I love his calves. He's a physical specimen. I mocked him when he was coming out of the combine and through the process because I thought he was one of these, you know, Under Armour, bench press, muscle warriors that maybe wouldn't necessarily translate in the NFL. He translated and some. He's a beast. He's one of the best receivers in the sport. And I don't know if Seattle is going to be willing to move. But if Seattle is going to be in a position where everything must go, they're blowing it up, they're building from the top, bottom, top again. You got to make the call if you're Joe Douglas. You got to make the call. If it means the Jets give up their second first for Metcalf, would you do it? I would absolutely do it. In fact, I wouldn't think twice about it. One, this is a weak draft. Two, that is exactly the sort of dude that you'd love to have with a young quarterback. It'd be like, all right, Zach, DK, let's go. Play nice. Make some magic. Jets have to make that call. 1,000% have to make that call. And you also probably got to ask about Tyler Lockett, too, while we're at it. But let's be honest, DK Metcalf, just a heck of a lot more sexy. That's the sort of move-the-needle move that I'm looking for from a Jets standpoint. Got to make the call. And then you have a report swirling around the Giants. See, today was a wild day. The NFL, the gift that keeps on giving. Charles Robinson tweeted out, I got back from an eight-mile run. I'm like huffing and puffing. I'm getting ready for this Brooklyn half marathon. And I'm feeling good. I'm huffing and puffing a little bit, but I go to the phone, check Twitter, do this, do that. He tweets out the idea that a lot of people around the league believe that Mitchell Trubisky is going to be brought in by Joe Shane and brought in by Brian Dable to compete with Daniel Jones for the starting quarterback position next year. All right, I got some thoughts. One, I'm no fan of Mitchell Trubisky. Let's just throw that in the open. I'm not a fan. I don't think he's any good. I think at best he's a good backup. You want to tell me he can be the 32nd best quarterback in the NFL or the 28th best quarterback in the NFL? Maybe you want to humor yourself and do so? Be my guest. But I'm no fan of Mitchell Trubisky. However, the Giants having competition for Daniel Jones to me, is not a big deal. Daniel Jones doesn't play. He's missed way too much time over the last few years. Two, maybe this is the way you fire him up and get the best out of him. So make a break year for him. They're probably going to draft the quarterback next year anyway, but yeah, sure. Light a fire under his ass. If it's financially worth it. This is the issue I have with the whole Trubisky-ness. Trubisky, now... I'm not an agent in the NFL. I don't know what he's going to make. There are folks around the league saying, and I saw this all over social media over the weekend, 
that he's going to get paid a ton. Huh? I mean, I know teams might need quarterbacks. But the idea of Mitchell Trubisky making a lot of money after getting like a year or two hiatus in Buffalo sounds absurd to me. That sounds absolutely absurd for what it's worth. Shane knows him well. Dable knows him well. If he was coming in on the cheap, I'd say, yeah, sure, why not? Push Daniel Jones a little bit. For the cap-strapped Giants, that's, and I'm not overly concerned about what their money's going to look like for this year because it's going to be a bad cap situation and they're going to stink. Like, those two things are going to be true. It's about the long term now with this franchise. I don't know if I'm looking to throw big money at Mitch Trubisky. So, competition, sure. Big money, Trubisky, mm, not so much. Not so much. So, Wild Day in the NFL had to do a bonus pod. Danny Heifetz is up next. He had a busy day. He just got back from the combine. He's writing stories galore. I said, I got to have you on the pod. We'll, we'll get his thoughts on Mitch Trubisky. And can the second Jet first-round pick entice the Seahawks enough to get DK Metcalf? That's what I want to know. So we got all that. Rutgers people were giving me so much grief and so much agita. When are you having Coach Pike on? I know you and Coach are tied. When, when, when's Coach coming on? Well, guess what, Rutgers people? I deliver. Even though I got the Syracuse education, I got my Syracuse sign behind me. Steve Peichel, who I think is going to be taking Rutgers to the NCAA tournament again, he'll join us on this show. And see, we all sleep. I did a pod earlier today on the gambling stuff. Got basically daily pods every day. We don't, we don't, we don't sleep around here. If something happens, we rock. We roll. All right, Hyphen's up next. Wild day in the NFL. Rogers staying. Russ is going. Maybe Mitch Trubisky is going to be a giant. Who knows? Maybe DK Metcalf is going to be a Jet. The possibilities are endless. So when there's crazy NFL stuff going on, there are like a few people that like come to mind where it's like, I got to shoot the shit with so-and-so. Danny Heifetz, you're beyond so-and-so. You are like, you're like the apple in my eye, bro. You're the apple <laughs> in my eye. How the, how the hell are you? What's going on, dude? Dude, I'm crazy, man. This has been a crazy day. I mean, I think that everyone kind of knew Rogers, the domino, was going to fall today. Honestly, I thought he was going to go live on Pat McAfee and announce it straight up, like, on the show. But, I mean, we knew that domino was coming. Russ going to Denver. I mean, this is crazy, man. Like, I, I made the joke before, but I kind of mean it. Like, they're blockbuster trades, but, like, this is like a Netflix trade, man. This is like the new era. This is crazy, man. Quarterbacks moving. I mean, Russell Wilson going to the Broncos is freaking nuts, man. I, I love mean, it. it and wiped the Rogers thing off the map. Full disclosure, House and I are doing the gambling pod earlier in the day. And by this point in the day, Rodgers had announced he's going back to the Packers. And I was like, wow, those Broncos Super Bowl odds are plummeting. No Rodgers. I don't think Ciara <laughs> is going to want any part of spending time in a mile high city. And I shit you not, the minute we wrapped up our pod, I get a notification. Russell Wilson has been traded to the Denver Broncos. So, dude, so much for that. Um, and I love it for Denver. Anybody who says Denver gave up too much, to me, that's total nonsense. There are certain quarterbacks that are game changers. He's a game changer. Jamal Adams got a couple of first-round picks, for goodness sakes. Yeah, Russell exactly. Wilson is worth that more. Come on now. Exactly. It's like if the Seahawks basically gave up what they gave up for Jamal Adams, plus like their tight end, a backup quarterback, and two second-rounders. I mean, it's pretty insane when you think about it that way. And also, like, look, we just saw with the Stafford trade, I think a lot of these trades are going the way of the NBA where the teams are like, oh, just screw these late round first pick, first round picks. Just give me a quarterback. If the quarterbacks are like the NBA superstars, it's like you have to be tall enough to ride the ride on a roller coaster. 
it's like your ticket for entry. If you don't have the star quarterback, you're not really a true contender anymore. And they're just like, let me just get on the ride. We'll see. May, like, let me just on the ride. Maybe we'll win a championship. Maybe not. But it's like, I don't, I'm done with these first round picks. The Rams did it. I think the Bucs are doing it now. It's like, just give me the quarterback. I'm tired of waiting. Are you ready to say Denver? Super Bowl contender, or is that premature? Well, forget, can, forget what I say. The market, dude, they're already fifth for the quarterback. Well, I think odds. they are. I mean, you look Listen, at Listen, I feel our buddy Justin Herbert might enjoy last place in the AFC West next year because the Chiefs are loaded, the Broncos are loaded. And listen, I don't love the Raiders and I don't love Josh McDaniels. Pound for pound, I think they got more talent on the roster than the Chargers. Like those two top teams, that's a hell of a division. But I think the Chiefs and the Broncos take the cake. Food for thought. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but I think this is one of the best divisions going into a season I've ever seen. I mean, I know we were just talking about that with the NFC West. There's always talented divisions, but I mean, oh my God, like, as you just said, a, a number that kind of captures it is if you just look at the odds to win the AFC, so there's 16 teams that could win the AFC, obviously. The AFC West is three of the top seven. That's crazy. It's the Chiefs. So the Bills are number one. Then you got the Chiefs. The Broncos are now, like, right there. And then the Chargers. And as you just said, the Raiders with Josh McDaniels, might be even better than the Chargers. Like, they could compete, too. So, it, it's a crazy division. The AFC also just has this huge quarterback imbalance now. Because yeah, the AFC, Listen, if you're a Dolphin fan like me, yes. or you're a Jet fan like a majority of the audience, you think about the gap now in the AFC and the NFC. I mean, if you're a retooling, rebuilding organization, your Giants fit the bill perfectly. Dude, you'd much rather be in the NFC than the AFC. If you're not a contending team, you got a better chance of getting good quicker. I have to say, you know, we've talked a lot. Every time I come on, I think we always inevitably drift to, like, would you rather be a Giants fan or Jets fan now that they're both equally awful? And I think that if you're actually talking about making it to a Super Bowl, it depends how you feel about Zach Wilson is, like, the entirety of the question. Because the fact that even the Jets kind of eke out a wild card and the idea of, like, okay, well, Justin Herbert and the Chargers are waiting, are waiting for you in round one, and then Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and then Josh Allen and the Bills, now Russell Wilson and the Broncos. It's, like, the quality of quarterback. It's, like, that line in the wire. Like, the game hasn't changed. just got more fierce. It's, like, the AFC is incredible. And then it makes sense to me why Rodgers didn't want to leave, because now Rodgers just has to go through the NFC North. The Lions, hello, who cares? The Vikings, who just got rid of their coach and they have Kirk Cousins, not afraid of them. And then the Bears, who Rodgers screamed to their face that they that I own you. And all the fans were like, yeah, he does. So no wonder Rodgers didn't want to go anywhere. Okay, Seattle. And this is going to be the overarching question, I think, for the next couple of days. Is this a full tilt rebuild for the Seahawks? Or do you get the sense Seattle is going to say, all right, let's kind of retool on the fly. Let's bring in a veteran quarterback. Let's try to compete. You think they're blowing this roster up over the next two weeks? There's what teams say and what they do. I think that if Pete Carroll's going to stay on, I don't think they're going to rebuild because Pete Carroll is the oldest head coach in the NFL. He's, I believe, 71 years old. And his literal, not, I wouldn't say team philosophy, his life philosophy is compete. Like, it's, I think it's in his book. It's in his life. I mean, competition. I know it's like the NFL. Everyone talks about it. Pete Carroll to his core, like the way he runs the building, he makes everything a competition. Like the Seahawks, like they are like the fastest one to like get to the meeting room, get something like they make throwing like crumpled up paper to trash cans competitions. Like everything is a competition. It would blow my mind if Pete Carroll stayed on for a rebuild where they kind of tacitly admitted they weren't going to try. Now, having said that, you know, I, I, 
my co-host, I do the Ringer NFL Draft Show, shameless plug with Danny Kelly and Ben Solak. Danny Kelly is a lifelong Seahawks fan. He's one of the most knowledgeable people in the Seattle Seahawks in the world. And he kind of said that his mind went to the Tarveris Jackson Seahawks, which is pretty depressing to think about. But overall, I think that this is going to be like an ugly team that kind of ekes out wins. And like they're, it's like the way the Seahawks already play with this ugly style of, well, we have Russell Wilson, but we're going to try to win on a field goal at the last second anyway. It's like that, but they're just going to be geared to doing it specifically. Jeff fans are going to want to dream. They need something to feel good <laughs> about. I thought about this the minute they made the trade. Would Seattle accept the Jets' second first-round pick for DK Metcalf? Because if I'm the Jets, I would make that move. I would make that move. I'd say, hey, guess what, Zach Wilson? We got you the alpha. We got you the number one wide receiver. We got you a guy who can go up and get it. I would trade that second first-round pick for DK Metcalf. One, is that feasible? Two, would Seattle do it? To tell you the truth, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm of two minds about it. On one hand, that's just an absolute kick in the loincloth to Jets to Seahawks fans. If the Seahawks trade Russell Wilson, I don't know if Seattle can thing. do it, considering I, I, they got I, fleeced in the Adams trade. I, now I, you say goodbye to yeah. Wilson, and basically it's like, yeah, you got Jamal Adams for two years. Whoop they doing now? A, hey, we're getting DK Metcalf, and he's going to be a Jet. Like, yeah, the optics of that hype are not ideal. It's exactly what you just said. Where it, also it's important to know how this draft is construction is constructed, where all these drafts kind of have a different shape. And we always talk about, like last year was, you know, like top heavy, right? Like like Kyle Pitts, best tight end prospect we've ever seen. Jamar Chase, one of the best receiver prospects of all time. Top heavy, all these quarterbacks, top heavy draft. It kind of looks, I don't know, what's a, uh, I'm trying to think of something top heavy. I don't know, something big at the top and then gets skinny. I don't know, maybe there's a person, someone with a big head. It's a very bad example. This draft is like much more like pear-shaped. It's like the top end talent isn't great, but it gets round, like rounds two, rounds three, rounds four. There are a ton of players teams like as second, third, or fourth rounders. So the idea of like a team like the Seahawks being like, oh, we'll like give up one of our good players for the number 10 in the draft. I think you'd be way more likely to, I think you could probably get Tyler Lockett for a second and maybe you throw in a pick. I think that's way more likely. I think the Jets getting Tyler Lockett is more likely than Metcalf because as much as teams, as Seahawks fans like Tyler Lockett, Metcalf is like, a generational face of the franchise. Like, you know, he was in, like, you know, Fortnite and stuff. It's like, you can't do that to the Seahawks fans who now lost Russell Wilson. But I think Lockett on the Jets would be pretty fun. So your gut is DK Metcalf is not going to be traded? No, but I don't know. I, I just, I feel like that would be So what, you think in aggressive. order for them to trade Metcalf, are we talking like a Laramie Tunsil type trade? Is that what Seattle would be looking for? No, because I mean, not first of all, Porter, listen, Tunsil premium, basically went it. for more than Russell. I get it. Quarterback, tackle, corner, wide receiver is not of that ilk. I understand that. I understand that. I also don't think Joe Douglas would do that. I mean, I know that they've been hinting that Joe, well, he's never given up more than a sixth round pick as the Jets GM right now. I know that he's hinted that he's kind of given him something more. I have to think it would be more substantial. Also, it's, there's a supply and demand aspect. The reality is we're talking about Deacon Metcalf right now because he's a sexy name, you know, depending on, you know, what floats your boat, he's a sexy man. But I would say that with DK Metcalf, like, receiver, like, there are a lot of receivers in this draft. Like, you have to, you have to holistically, teams look at free agency and draft as one and the same. They're like, we need to fill these parts, and there's a free agent bucket and draft bucket. You look at the draft bucket, you're like, wow. So a lot of receivers we can get in the first three rounds. Are you really going to give up that 10th pick for DK Metcalf? If you're going to give a pick, don't you want a different position? So the Jets, I mean, I'm looking at the Jets. It's like, look, a lot of defenders in this draft. Jets gave up the most points in the NFL last season. They probably need defense, not a receiver. You can get a, you can get a receiver in the third round. It'll be pretty good. 
So a story came out today. Uh, I saw it right after I got back from a run. And I started thinking of my Giant fan buddies. And I was wondering how they would feel about the possibility of Mitch Trubisky coming to town to compete with Daniel Jones. Now, I have no problem with the Giants bringing in competition for Daniel Jones. I think it makes sense. Daniel Jones has missed time. He is not exactly what you would call a durable quarterback. So that on the surface, totally understandable. But weren't people a few days ago suggesting, Heifetz, that Mitch Trubisky was going to get major, major money this offseason? Like, is that accurate? Is that... Is that just like free agency, you know, rumor mill nonsense? Or is Mitch going to legit get a major bag here? And because of the connection with Shane and Dable, is that seriously in play? I have never felt like more talked down to as a Giants fan than the like like national reporters suggesting the Giants should sign Mitchell Trubisky and let him compete with Daniel Jones. Why? Why? What are we going to do? I get Mitchell Trubisky was the backup for the Bills. Now Brian Dable's here. Maybe he'll teach Daniel Jones something, how to smile, or I don't know, like go away for three years. The idea that Mitchell Trubisky has gone away for a couple of years because he was so bad that he couldn't play, and now somehow it's like, hey, Trubisky, get out of here. I, I don't care. I don't care about Mitchell Trubisky. Get him away from me. I'm not interested. I have no, it, it, it's like the person who texts you late at night, and you're like, this is a terrible idea. If you do it, like it's going to be a terrible idea. There's no upside. It's key. Is not an NFL starting caliber quarterback. He is probably one of the three best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. That's not a guy who cares if you let him compete. I'd rather just give Daniel Jones another year because to tell you the truth, my big picture thing with the Giants is this year is a wash. Everyone upset about the cap and everything upset. Who cares? They're going to be terrible this year. Good. The quarterbacks in the 2023 draft next year are going to be very good. The Giants grabbed two good linemen this year's draft. Suck for the 2022 season. Get a good quarterback like Bryce Young from Alabama next year. The idea that Mitchell Trubisky, my blood is boiling. Like, am I crazy? I, I, get Mitchell Trubisky out of my face. I get it, bro. And I'm not exactly the leader of the fan club. I think it's all about the money. If you brought in Mitch Trubisky for, like, no money, I wouldn't care. It, it wouldn't matter much to me. But, like, if he's seriously going to command a good amount of money this offseason, then that's crazy. No, it would matter to me, too. You know what? But no, but if Mitchell Trubisky gets even a little amount of money, he's in my life, JJ. I don't want Jay. I don't want Mitchell Trubisky in my life. I don't want to have to read about him as a giant. I don't want to have to have my heart. I don't want the day eventually where I I, I, I side with him. I'm like, maybe he's not so bad. I don't I know what's gonna happen. I don't want to talk myself into Mitchell Trubisky. I don't want to see him lining up against the Dallas Cowboys. I don't want Micah Parsons sacking Mitchell Trubisky. I don't want everyone making fun of how the Giants New regime thought Mitchell Trubisky would be good. Are they worse than Dave Gettleman? I just, no, unsubscribe. I don't want any of that in my life. I don't care about the money. My That's sanity. a pretty passionate case, Dad. So Danny Heifetz wants <sighs> no part of Mitch Trubisky. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, if I said like Marcus Mariota, is that going to give the same sort of reaction or no, not as much? No, that's fine. He's quiet. He's a nice guy. And like, oh, I so, actually give Mariota really? more of so a this, this scene, Now, maybe, I'm, maybe I got to dig a little deeper here. This seems a little personal with Mitch Trubisky. Did yeah, he, like, I, I, I really something? don't. You know how, like, look. The reality is. Because, I mean, he stinks. I am Listen, biased. Teams were dumb enough to take him over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, which uh, should tell you something. The Chicago Bears were dumb enough to do that. Um, but, like, for you who doesn't root for the Chicago Bears, who really, I didn't expect to have, like, much of a dog in the fight. You got a lot more dog in the fight than I thought. He was, like, handed the world. That's kind of my issue with him. Like, he was handed this Khalil Mack defense. This team won 12 games, and it's like, 
I will never forget watching that opening. I think it was 2019. They, week one, they played against the Packers. It was like the NFL's 100th anniversary. Like, they made a huge deal out of it. And they, so they went Packers-Bears rivalry week one. And it was like the Bears had just had that Khalil Mack defense. They had 12-4. and four. They lost to the playoffs. Now they're coming in. It's like, okay, if Trubisky's better, this team can make it. And they, the, the Bears defense held Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to 10 points in week one. And the Bears lost 10-3. to three. And it's like Mitchell Trubisky can't run an offense. He is, he's like Zoolander. He can't throw left. It's unbelievable. I, I, I have no tolerance or patience it, with someone who just has demonstrated such little knowledge for quarterbacking. Marcus Mariota has a different rap to me. Everyone forgets that Marcus Mariota had an actual nerve injury in his throwing arm. And everyone just, think, everyone just forgets about why. Like, he had a nerve injury in his throwing arm. Not to mention the Titans changed offensive coordinators. Like, I think there's a world where Mariota might have had a career. I also just, quite frankly, it's emotional. I will feel less stupid rooting for Marcus Mariota in October. I will feel very stupid rooting for Mitchell Trubisky in October. I'm going to remember this the minute Mitch Trubisky signs as a member of the New York Giants. So you might want to keep this conversation handy, ringer folks in New York City and New York, New York, for like the duration of the 2022 season if this ends up being a thing and ends up being the real deal. Uh, real quick, Saquon, back on the team, yes or no? I think I think he is. The Giants have to act that way because, I, you know, it's weird. You know, Joe Shane comes out the GM and says, basically, yeah, we're open for business. We're open to anything. And I get it. Like, look, they have to shave the $40 million off the cap. Saquon's making money. Saquon's not making that much money that it matters. It's $7 million. Who cares? And again, everyone making fuss about the cap. What are you worried? Well, are you worried they're not going to be able to afford to bring Evan Ingram back? Who cares? The cap will fix itself in time. Like, and the, the, this year doesn't matter for the cap. Like, the, who do they have to retain? Doesn't matter. So I think that with Saquon, it's a matter of, well, who wants him? I don't know. I mean. Buffalo? I don't think so, because the smart teams aren't going to pay that much money for him. I think the reality even is. For about, one, even for one year? Well, I, I think that you have to. I think that Saquon is one of those guys you actually have to re remember that they do have to put someone on the tickets. And it kind of has to be Saquon. Like, I, I mean, I don't. What are they going to do, put Galladay or Kadaris Tony? I was going to say, Daniel Jones is not exactly the guy you want so to put on the tickets. I guess yeah. if the Giants got a third-round pick for Saquon, you should do that, for sure. I would say if the Giants got a fourth-round pick for Saquon, they might do it. The Giants take a fifth-rounder, one, just kind of makes the team look dumb. Just really is a shot at Gettleman. Also, at what, like, is, if, if they get, like, a seventh-rounder for him, you might as well keep him and let us have something to look forward to. And that's, like, actually how I look at it. I'm not being facetious. Like, there's a point where the pick is not worth, like, the only guy left on the team, like, truly worth watching, even if he's not the same anymore. I I'd rather just watch one more season of Saquon than have a seventh rounder. Kind of the same for a sixth. A sixth round for Saquon, just this depressing. I think it's somewhere around a fourth or a fifth, but I that's really the way I look at it. Danny Heifetz, he's never a stranger to this show. He's always around. He's always accessible. Did you enjoy a uh, little shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's uh, at the Combine or no? Uh, I forgot how hot the shrimp cocktail was, the sauce was, and I just put a bunch of it, and it felt like I got tasered. That sounds phenomenal. You know, I've never was, been. I've never been to Indianapolis. Well, and everybody tells me St. Elmo's shrimp okay, cocktail. Okay. Right. Got to do I, it. I, first of all, it's overrated. And it, there is no wow, media restaurant or it's Indianapolis fine. as a city. No, I mean, Indianapolis. I no, Indy is a lovely city. Indianapolis well, people say is, Indy is great. And I know this because all the folks who went for the giant Patriots second Super Bowl 
came back and they reported this to me. And I was like, oh, you know, your team's in the Super Bowl. Too bad you got to go to Indy. They're like, no, Indy was great. Everything was downtown. It had good vibe, good bars, the whole deal. So, yes, I, I should, it, I, I should give Indy a super, little credit there. Okay. Indy is super walkable, which I think New Yorkers can appreciate. And also, the entire combine, the whole reason Indy works and people love Indy for the combine is everything's within this 20-minute radius. And then every single person associated with the NFL is in, like, basically at five bars at night. And so you just kind of, like, you're trying to, like, pay, and then the person next to you trying to pay for your their drinks is Sean Payton. And it's just, like, ridiculous. But the other thing about Indy that I, I respect is, like, when you go to cities like Indianapolis or Nashville, and the stadiums for the football teams are downtown with at the city center with the bars and restaurants like you could like Lucas Oil is as central to an American city as I think humanly possible. It is literally downtown. My hotel window is looking out at Lucas Oil and it's next to the convention center. And I realized, oh, right. MetLife being impossible to get to is not normal. It's not normal to have your stadium an actual anxiety-inducing experience to get to. It's supposed to be really walkable from all the bars. And when you experience it, you start to think, wow, this must be better. Did you have any fun run-ins at the Combine? Yeah, actually. I, I uh, A couple that I probably shouldn't say. I, the one I will say was really funny was, do you remember the first night, Thursday night of the Combine, all the 40-hour dash times were, like, wrong on the broadcast for the people who weren't watching. Which I was not watching. Listen, good. I, you have I, a life. I'm getting ready for the drift. That's the last thing. You guys were into the guys in shorts and a bench press. God bless. So, uh, the not for me. so the receivers are running the 40 yard dash on Thursday night. Apparently there's a new guy at NFL network. Like who, so they have the unofficial times for TV and the official times, the poor guy at NFL network, I guess who's first year on the job, like actually hitting the button, to start the 40 yard dash was off by a 10th of a second, which was enough to make it like the fastest group ever. So we thought all these records were being broken. We thought guys literally ran the fastest dash ever, including one of which was like Chris Olave, who's the receiver from Ohio State, ran a 4-2-6 40-yard dash, which would have been, I think, like the 14th best ever in like the last 20 years. I was at dinner at the Ruth Chris, which is next to St. Elmo's and honestly better. And two tables over is Mike Tomlin holding court with a bunch of Pittsburgh Steelers coaches. And I'm not going to, like, pretend I can perfectly read lips, so take this with a huge grain of salt. But I believe what I saw, and this is not verbatim, but basically Chris Olave runs a 4-2-6, which was ridiculous at the time. And, it, and I see Mike Tomlin kind of lean in with the coaches, and he just looks up at the screen, and he's like, the fuck? And he just, like, I, his, his face is burned into my brain. It looked like he had had a bunch of the St. Elmo's cocktail sauce. It looked like, you ever seen someone, like, a, like a cat eat lemon? That was kind of like what Mike Donald saw looking at Chris Olave at the 426. Well, not that I'm this aficionado of the combine, but I feel like I just got to come to Indy next year just to get the uh, the pomp and circumstance and the stories. I think it'll be worth my you while. Sh- JJ, you would be a star at the combine. You have no I don't idea. know about that. I, 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 only that. Sh- I only shine at Super Bowls. You know, Hypitz, that's where I shine. <laughs> I shine at Super Bowls. You know, that's where I make my presence felt. But uh, listen, buddy, thanks for a couple minutes. I know you had a crazy day, but we had to uh, send out the bat signal. And I haven't seen Batman yet, by the way. That's Me neither. Do list. Good. Next I week. don't want a spoiler. Danny Heifetz, don't be a stranger. Later, buddy. Thank you, JJ. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So I've been getting a lot of crap from the Rutgers folks because they've been dying for Coach Peichel. I've gotten it in my tweets. I've seen it in my messages. And I'm like, guys, we had Coach Peichel on three times last year when we were doing a radio. Ask and you shall receive. Steve Peichel, the head coach of Rutgers, getting ready for the Big Ten tournament. What's happening, brother? I love it. Our fans are passionate, aren't they? They're good, they're good people. And boy, they show up at Jersey Mike's and they showed up this weekend and all year long. And uh, I'd love to be on your show too and appreciate you. Well, coach, you know, you think about it. The Rack now has become an event. Like you think about that Wisconsin game you guys played, your senior day against Penn State. The place is mobbed. It's got this crazy zoo-like environment to it. You're the guy who's been the head coach of this team as you're building it from the ground up. Is it awesome when you step foot on the court and you're like, man, this is my home court advantage? I'd love it. It, it really has been like an amazing uh, trajectory to get there. We we probably turned away a thousand. And I, I apologize to the students that got turned away the other day. Um, I want to write every single one of them a note and thank them for for coming, but we had to turn away people. Um, it's been unbelievable. They really support our players. The students have been unbelievable. We have this riot squad that does an unbelievable job, creativity and what they wear, uh, the different slogans that they have for the games. Uh, it's really been awesome because year one, Geo's first year, if someone called and asked me for a ticket, I'd say, I can give you a whole section. You know, what section do you want? And now, uh, you know, we turn away kids. Um, so, uh, love it. And they, they want to support our guys who play a fun style. And I think in the last two years, someone told me the stat the other day in front of fans, um, we, we, we 32 and four at home. Ooh, I like that record. I like that record. That's unbelievable because probably we were four and 32 before that. So, um, really unbelievable and, and a credit to all the people that come out and support us. Coach, last year, you guys were in the NCAA tournament. You win a game in the NCAA tournament. Houston's a Final Four team. You guys had them down at a wire, easily could have won that game. So going into the year, you guys are bringing a bunch of dudes back. I'm like, all right, Rutgers is going to have a squad. Rutgers is going to be back. 
And then you go through the non-conference where you guys have some major struggles. You have some major pitfalls. Is it fair to say that Purdue game and the walk-off against Purdue was the turning point in your season? You know what? I mean, there's always, you know, seasons are long. And I say to people all the time, teams evolve and figure it out. I mean, we had a couple bad days in, in November and one possession games and, you know, the ball just didn't go in for us. And then, you know, obviously the Purdue, it went in for us. And uh, But I, I do love the way this team has just kept getting better in the best league in the country. And we had a stretch there. We won four, first team in the history of college basketball to win four ranked, beat four ranked teams in a row. Um, and uh, we're playing great basketball now. So if people want to pick the tournament in November, the teams that have wins, you don't know how it's going to end up. You know, I like the fact we're playing great right now. I think we can beat anybody. And, uh, you know, this team learned from all those things. I think Gio being out for six games at the beginning of the year, certainly no one factors that in, but he was one of the most experienced players in the country. See what he's done for us down the stretch. So, you know, our team evolved. We got better. Um, I think we could play anybody. and We've beaten the best teams in our league. and We've beaten, um, you know, teams on the road, Wisconsin, Indiana on senior night. I mean, it's not easy to do those kind of things. And this team has done that here and, you know, this year. Listen, Coach, I've been saying it for weeks. You guys beating all those ranked teams, easy call for me. I'm like, they're an NCAA tournament team. Sometimes, like, don't let your eyes fool you. Like, you watch the team on the court. I'm like, that's one of the 68 best teams. That's a team that can go and win multiple games. Yes. But you know that you know how it works, Coach. We live in this world of social media, this bracketology. I'm used to it because usually it's Syracuse every year. Last four <laughs> in, next yeah. four out. Like, it will, it'll drive you insane. Are you telling you guys, stay away from that stuff, focus on the task at hand, or are you kind of embracing the idea of, hey, if they're talking about you, it's okay. You can read. Well, how, have, how have you approached the idea of, like, Rutgers being one of those teams, even though I don't think you should be, I think you guys should be safely income Sunday, but that whole bracketology mess. Hey, I, I mean, you know, it's good for people to talk about. I really, I say to our guys on March 13th, they decide, you know, it's not after every game, you know, and, and if we won games in November, you still got to win games in January, February, March, you know, and it's great to talk about. I try to keep our guys off the phone, but JJ, you know, you can't, keep them off the phone that they're attached to the phone. Can't get me off the phone. Who are you kidding, man? Who are you kidding? <laughs> so like I stopped fighting that fight a long time ago. But I remember a couple of years ago we had we hadn't won a road game. So we had to, you know, we won great games, but you have to win a road game. This year we lost the game in, in, in November. So they talk about that all year long. So it's always been that way here for us. I do know this one thing. This is the best year of the Big Ten. The games are the most competitive. I don't care if you're playing number one or 14. They come down to the end. We finished fourth in this league. We beat number one. We beat number two. We beat number three in this league. We beat number five in this league. You know, like, you know, there's teams that can play in the NCAA tournament and, and there's teams that can win games in the NCAA tournament. This team is ready to, you know, play in it and, and win games. And I feel real confident. We got great leadership from, you know, Ron Harper and from Caleb McConnell, from Gio Baker, Paul Mulcahy. Uh, we have all league guys. Uh, we got, our defense is as good as there is. We held an Iowa team, which led the, you know, led the, our league in scoring and the 46 points, you, you know, and, and, and we've done a lot of really great things and it's been exciting. And I'm excited about the next journey here, which is the Big Ten tournament and then our postseason. You mentioned that defense. That defense gets after it, coach. That Iowa game specifically comes to mind. 
Is that, you think, the hallmark of this team? Like, the idea of you guys being very successful in a lot of these close games, is it the idea that you guys are able to get stops and able to get stops consistently? I mean, it really is. And when we started getting back to that identity in December and in January, just locking people up. And we have a kid, Caleb McConnell, who's special. He's oh, he's unbelievable. It must be nice, by the way. You got a best player on another team. Hey, I'm throwing Caleb out there. Go get him, baby. Isn't it? And he he wants that job, too, which is unique. He came back this year and said he wanted to be the National Defensive Player of the Year in, in the country and in the Big Ten. And hopefully he'll he'll get some of those honors. He certainly deserves it. But when you have a guy that that's what he wants to do, it makes your team special. And we have a kid, Paul Mulcahy, that led our league in assists. So you have a, an assist guy. You have a steals guy. Ron Harper can score with anybody. Cliff has been a shot blocker and a defensive presence in the post. And, you know, when you got guys like that and they're willing to sacrifice for each other, good things can happen. This senior class, Coach, they've been through a lot. They have gotten to the top of the mountain as far as being in the NCAA tournament. And their class has really made their mark on the Rutgers program. When you look back on this senior class, what are you going to remember the most? I mean, J.J., they've just been special. Because now, remember, when they, they said they were coming to Rutgers, we didn't have sellouts. We didn't have a new facility, practice facility. We didn't have a tradition of winning games in the Big Ten or any other league in the prior 20 years. They took a chance on coach and a coaching staff and, and the university. And uh, they, we had a vision. I knew that great things could happen, uh, but they worked and they earned it. And, and on top of that, 3.3 team grade point average. They've all graduated. Some are in grad school right now. And some of the greatest kids and families I've have recruited. So they've done something just truly special here. And, you know, just thankful that they took on the challenge because it wasn't easy selling that six years ago. I was talking about sellouts, but we never had them. You know, I was talking about winning games and being the fourth seed in a, in a league with 14 teams, but we never did it. I was talking about all this. We never went to postseason, you know, in, in a long time. And, 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 and they took on the challenge and you know, all the credit to them and my staff. I got a great staff. I got a met Brandon Knight is the best assistant. And Carl Hobbs, a Hall of Fame assistant coach, and TJ Thompson. So I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I got good people around me and a great athletic director, Pat Hobbs, and a president here that's into the vision of great kids, graduating guys. Like, that's important to our president. And, and I love that because everyone's about win, 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 you know, the way, you know. But there's a lot more to being a college student athlete than just that. Double bye in a Big Ten tournament. That's got to be cool, right? I mean, your league, you guys have been through some of those wars, but you guys were like that 10-11 seed that was surprising people. With the way the league is played, I mean, you guys played Penn State. That game came down to the wire on Sunday. Any game you can get off, I feel like it's got to be a major leg up here, Coach. I, I mean, I look at other leagues, and I just say, I mean, Nebraska goes on the road, and, and Fred Hoiberg. And beat Wisconsin, crazy. Wisconsin and Ohio State at Ohio State in the last week, you know, like, and every time you go to Nebraska, it's sold out 15,000 people. And they have really good players. And Fred Hoiberg's an elite coach. You know, so it doesn't matter who you play. These venues are tough. Every game is sold out. You got Tom Izzo. You got Greg Gard. You got Brad Underwood. Matt Painter. I mean, Holtman. I mean, I mean come on. It's, it's awesome. And, and the venues and the fan bases are passionate. You go and win a game on the road. We won four league games in this league. You know, hard to do. Um, you know, it's just, it's just awesome and gives you a heart attack sometimes. And I tell people, uh, our league is the one league that nobody leaves the games early because they all come down to the last five seconds 
you know, it seems like. And I have a feeling we're going to get Iowa Rutgers part two in a couple of days. And if we end up getting that game, coach, talk about contrasting styles, your defense, their offense. Like I, that's like the K gun, Jim Kelly, Buffalo Bills against like the 86 Giants with LT and Harry Carson. Like if you guys are going to have success in the Big Ten tournament, if you guys are going to have success in the NCAA tournament, you think it's the defense that's bringing you home? It has to be. And uh, when you talk about great programs, how about the job Fran McCaffrey's done, you know, there, with, you know, with the players. Keegan Murray could be the national player of the year, too. Um, After losing you know, Garza, no less. And losing the national player of the year. And, yeah, and the no job doubt. he does. He's a, he's a great coach and, and a great guy, too. So, I mean, there's another guy. you got to go to Iowa or play in Iowa, those kind of teams. Every game is is a war. You try to go 1-0 and in this league. But I do believe this league has so many good teams. Um, you know, this tournament's going to be special, truly, out in Indy. Uh, you know, there's any anyone can win. And, and we played a great Penn State team the other day. And I said, if they were in another league, they'd be a four seed. You know, uh, but they happen to play in this league. And, and, and it's tough. And every game is tough. And, and, and it comes down to last possession. But uh, our defense and our rebounding have been great. When you got a player who could be the national player of the year on the defense, then that certainly helps. Cliff can block shots. Ron Harper blocks shots. Uh, Paul McKay's been a really good defender for us and as good an assist guy as there is in the league. Geo makes big shots, you know, so we got kind of an interesting crew. So I'm looking forward to it. Coach, it's going to be rocking. Best of luck this week. And I don't think you'll be sweating on Sunday. I know some people are going to say you might be sweating. I'm going out on a limb. Rutgers is going to be playing in the NCAA tournament. You're going to have them back in the NCAA tournament. Really would be three years in a row if we didn't have COVID in 2020. It's a lot to be proud of. Continued success. And uh, I, I have a feeling we'll be doing a couple more of these as you guys advance throughout the month of March. Because more media for you means more success for the program. That's usually the way it goes, Coach. I love it, JJ. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you. Fabulous stuff all around. See, got to be ready to work on the fly. That's what we do around here. Good work by the fellas. We're back with a New York, New York on Thursday. But for all of you out there who are wondering about my content and my picks for college basketball, Ringer Gambling Show, Daily Picks. They'll be up. They'll be live. There'll be plenty of winners. And sadly, there are probably going to be plenty of losers. But you want to be following along for the ride. That's what we do around here. It's the best week to gamble, in my opinion. College tournament week. Got some doozies up for Wednesday. We'll have some doozies for the best day of the card, which to me is Thursday and then followed by Friday. Got you covered every which way. Back on this feed come Thursday. Shit you out. Enjoy your Tuesday. Be good, everybody.